Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Liz, didn't you always say they'd get back to the negotiating table like August 1st? That, that has been a theory that I have ascribed to for sure, and it looks like it's happening. August 4th? That's pretty close. Pretty close. Let's hope they get somewhere. Yeah. Fingers and toes and everything crossed. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer living in LA, and I currently have a cold, so excuse any frogginess in my voice. And with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. Liz, you sound terrible. You may have to, like, have a cup of tea while we do this recording. I hope you feel better soon. Anyway, on this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk about being creative entrepreneurs. And then we have a craft and feign about tenses, not tension, tenses. And we'll answer a question from a pre-WGA writer. Then we have a Hollywood hack from a listener that makes mosquito bites more bearable. And Sarah has a whimsical recommendation. Yes, but first, this update. So... I announced very excitedly that I got an electric car a few months ago, and a listener wrote in to remind me that electricity often comes from polluting resources like coal. So I was inspired, and I checked, Liz, with both of our electric company, which is Southern California Edison, and found out that almost 50% of their electricity comes from carbon-free sources like solar and wind. So that was very exciting to me. So both I have no emissions when I'm driving and 50% of the electricity I'm using comes from renewable resources. That's great. And you inspired me, Sarah, to check um, how my solar panels are doing. Adam and I had solar panels put on a couple of years ago. So I checked and over the last year, 62% of our energy comes from solar. Wow. But over the last four months when it's been way more sunny, because, you know, we had a lot of rain last year, yeah. it's 82%. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Not bad. Nice. Anyway, yeah, it's one of those things where you can't let perfect be the enemy of good. There's no question it's better to use renewable resources. And eventually, probably all of our electricity will be renewable resources, like in Canada, which is, you know, 90-something percent. It's amazing. So, 
Yay. Yay. Yay, renewables. Yes, yay, renewables. (laughs) Okay, Liz, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. This week, it's the idea of being creative entrepreneurs. Now, this is something, Liz, you've specifically been thinking a lot about, and the world is changing. We have to change with it. So what does that mean for you in the context of being a creative entrepreneur? So this phrase has been around for a while, creative entrepreneur. And I think in the past, it really was used for people like graphic designers, Mm. people who have a small business that revolves around something creative. But I think more and more, many of us are under this umbrella. Like it used to be if you were a TV writer, that's what you were. You were a TV writer. And maybe you also wrote movies or plays, but you certainly weren't what I would call a creative entrepreneur. Now, that has changed. I mean, and this is all part of why we're striking, of course, is because I think people do feel the need to have multiple sources of income, to figure out ways to put themselves forward, to get jobs. It's not as easy as as it used to be, or it's certainly different than it used to be. So now it's like we're all like a one-person small business. In our case, we're a two-person small business, which maybe is a bit of an advantage for us. For sure. So what does that mean? I mean, it means to me like taking our whole career and looking at it as a whole and the different elements. So yes, we think about our TV writing, but then we have the podcast, which I think when we started the podcast, we just sort of thought of it as a fun hobby. But now it's really part of our overall package of who we are and what we offer. I think it explains why social media matters. You know, we were talking about the other day about joining threads, and I'm mm-hmm. at Liz Craft on threads, and you're at us, Fane on threads, um, and we're both on Instagram. And I think, again, people go, well, why should I care about social media? I'm a television writer. I'm not going to get enough followers to move the needle if I have a show on. And that is true. Unless you, you know, you'd have to have millions of followers to impact the ratings of a television show. But executives may look you up. I think we talked about this. Other writers might look you up on social media. Journalists might look you up on social media. It's a way to just have yourself out there. Yes, and we've talked about before how we have checked actors' social media accounts to see if all things are even and we love two actors equally, if someone has a million followers and someone has seven million followers, the odds are good that we'll go with the seven million followers person. It's part of branding now. I guess that's also part of being a social. I know. I didn't want to use that word, Sarah, but we kind of have to. I mean, it's just out there. We kind of have to think about branding, even for us writers. Again, this idea has been out there, creative entrepreneur, for a while, but applying it to myself, that helps me wrap my head around the whole idea of the vision that I have for myself, which I don't think when I started out was as a creative entrepreneur. This idea that you would have multiple streams of income, it's actually an advantage, I think, that writers have been living this way for several years now. They're able to survive the strike perhaps better and maintain more unity because they've had to figure out multiple streams of income over the past several years. But it's really something that I think going forward 
is going to be something that we all want to do, whatever the outcome of the strike is. Yeah. And creative entrepreneur is kind of a big picture idea, but it helps me to focus on what the smaller elements of that are. On threads, I've been trying to figure out, like, how do I use this differently than Twitter, which I basically just politics and journalists for me. And I want thread to be something that is more aligned with my creative entrepreneurship. So every day I'm doing a writing tip of the day. Let me be honest, I don't do it every day, but I try to do it every day. And some of them are like when writing chocolate pairs well with pretzels. And some of them are actually really good, I think, writing tips, things that that have been helpful to you and to me. So that's my threads persona, my threads brand. Yes. And I think that's really smart. I saw that you were doing that and I thought, oh, wow, that is a good idea. But one thing that I like about this idea of being a creative entrepreneur is that it makes me feel like I'm living in an atmosphere of growth. So if I just say, oh, the business has changed, it's so much harder to make a living, I have to be scrappy, that sort of makes me feel blue, you know, that, that's not a good feeling. <laughs> but if I think I am a creative entrepreneur, I need to get out there, I need to build my brand, I need to go forth and build this little two-person company into something mighty, that makes me feel excited. And you also are saying you want your theme for 2024 to be connected to this, maybe mighty 2024. Maybe. I don't know. I like the word mighty. I haven't decided yet, but definitely it's going to be around this idea of being a creative entrepreneur. I mean, maybe your word should as well, or we could have a team theme that's related to being a creative entrepreneur. Absolutely. I think we should, because I think, look, even the fact that we're writing this novel is part of being creative entrepreneurs. Absolutely. It's expanding into a whole arena that we, I mean, we've written novels together, but it's been a while. (laughs) So yeah, it's, we're expanding into that, I think, in a way that we would like to make not just a oneer, but a part of our career moving forward. Yeah, it's really like taking the power, right, and applying mm-hmm. it to oneself and saying, okay, this is who I am. Now, how do I build my business? And it's okay to spend time, like on social media, doing things that aren't maybe directly related to my career, but they indirectly will expand my one-person company. Absolutely. We will expand our individual one-person companies and our dual-person company together. And for those of you who are listening, are there ways that you are a creative entrepreneur? Are there ways you think we should be better creative entrepreneurs? Let us know. Yes. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com or send us a voice memo. All right. Coming up, we've got a craft in Fane about tenses. But first, a break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. Factor's 
fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, Sarah, it's time for the craft and fame because writing is an art, but it's also a craft. And today we're discussing a question we've been grappling with while working on our novel. Yes, and the question is, what tense should we write in? This is something that we discussed, I mean, ad nauseum, a 500 hours of discussion or something about this before yeah. we started writing the book. Should the book be written in the present tense or should the book be written in the past tense? And there are so many facets to the discussion. And ultimately, yeah. we landed on third-person past omniscient for our characters, for how we're approaching the novel. Now, we have since decided maybe we're questioning that. Yes. So to explain past third-person omniscient would be like Jane sat down in the chair. She tried to ignore the pain in her back. Okay. That's a narrator knows everything and everything is in the past tense. But as we're writing and reading a lot, of course, we're continuing to read a lot of novels. We're wondering if it would be more exciting to put the book in the present tense. Now, we were questioning whether we could do that because we change points of view a lot. And for some reason, it just felt cleaner to have everything in the past tense, omniscient narrator, or it was a POV omniscient narrator, I should say. But now we've read more books that do switch points of view in the present tense, and we do like the sort of visceral nature of present tense. Yes. And also, I think both of us were kind of feeling like there was a lack of energy or something in the past tense. Because I texted you like, I don't know, I think I might experiment with this one scene. And you were like, yes, I have been feeling this lack of energy. (laughs) So we decided just to experiment. And I also have to give a shout out to Greer Hendricks, who we talked to before we kind of dove into this whole novel thing. And she was very experimental, I think. And she was encouraging being experimental in our approach to both tense and person, first person, third person, present tense, past tense. So 
that was also kind of in my head when I texted you and then you were like, oh yeah. So now we're experimenting and I feel like it's a good experiment. Yeah, so you sent me a page, you've sent me one page in the past tense and then you rewrote the page of it in present and I really liked the feel of it in the present. And then that got me on a second layer of this. I mean, we're talking about tenses, but as you just mentioned, there's also first person versus third person. Most books are written in one or the other. Some people write in you, saying you this, you that, but that's very unusual. Yeah. Again, as we said, we're going with third person, but now we're even wondering maybe we should switch to first person. I've listened to several books recently by Lucy Foley, who goes back and forth between first and third person, both present tense. And to me, it's very effective. So we may end up with kind of a mix as well. But it really opens up the creative possibilities. What's funny to me about this, Sarah, is that writing is rewriting. Yeah. Yes, we have like 100 pages of our book. But if we decide that this is going to be more effective we need to go back and rewrite the whole thing with this in mind. Now, look, we'd have to rewrite the whole thing anyway, so it's not as if it's that much more time. I mean, I'm sure it'll add a lot of time, but if it's better, it's worth it. I mean, we're yeah. not going for fast. We're going for good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why you're called Kansas City Slow Gold, Liz, because we're not just going for good or great. We're going for gold. That's right. You're referring to the story of when we were making our first pilot, Women's Murder Club. I was on a rant about something and the fact that they wanted us to do something quickly and I, it was probably the middle of the night, and I said, do they want fast shit or slow gold? And then we all laughed that the idea that we were putting out gold. I don't know that it was gold, but fool's gold, maybe. We do go for that slow gold, Sarah. So yes. here we are. And then our assistant at the time, Tony, had a license plate frame made for me that said Kansas City slow gold because Kansas City was my main identity. So anyway, here we are, Sarah, back where we started with fast shit or slow gold. Okay, next up, we have our mailroom segment. Today, we have a question from Alice. Alice wrote in, is it ever okay to call a writer's agent to ask for the writer's contact information? Before the strike began, I had learned that a writer was working on a project of which I happened to have some rarefied knowledge and experience, and I wanted to get into contact with the person, even if just to share my experience for free. I don't know anyone who has contact information for this writer, and I don't have an agent, but I am pre-WGA. Is this an acceptable way to get contact information? Is there a better way? And is it okay to do during the strike? Well, first of all, yes, it's definitely okay to do during the strike. You're not selling anything. They're not selling anything. They're not a member of the AMPTP. Hopefully you're not either, because then you would be the enemy and we want to like you. <laughs> so that's okay. That part is totally fine. Yeah, so what we would suggest doing is email the agent or call the agent's assistant. And if you do email, reread that email a few <laughs> times. Make sure there are no typos. Make sure it's brief. Or if you're going to call, then prep what you're going to say so that you're not rambling on. Whether it's an email or a message, leave your info and what you're contacting them about, and hopefully you'll hear from them. And I think that's perfectly fine to do. I think people have reached out to our manager with similar types of things, and she'll pass it on to us. 
So I I think it's fine. Yeah, and I would say toward what you're saying, Liz, probably they won't just be like, this is David Kelly's email address or whatever. They will instead pass your information on to the writer who can then get in touch. So part of it is like selling yourself, again, briefly about what it is that you in particular have to offer. I think making the point of not expecting to get paid is a really good point because writers just don't pay people studios do. So we're always like, you want to get paid? So yeah, saying you're offering that for free is great. And yeah, it's a totally legit way to network. And also so are Facebook groups. If you're on any writer Facebook groups, you could post there. So-and-so is doing this project that I have insight into. Does anyone know that person? I'd love to get in touch. Here's my email. And maybe you can connect that way. So I think your question is very smart. It may lead to nothing and the person may not get back in touch with you. I think you need to be aware of that, but absolutely do it. It's part of what you have to do in the hustle of this business now. Yes, being a creative entrepreneur. That's right. And here's what I'll say. Yeah, this time it may not pay off, but if you're always doing things like this, whether it's showing up to a meet and greet or starting a new writer's group or joining a Facebook group or whatever it is, something leads to something, but you don't always know which something it is. So just keep all the somethings going and good luck. Good luck. And Liz, coming up, we have a frog pond related Hollywood hack, which of course I love. But first this break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, which comes from our listener, Laura, who heard you talking about building a frog pond and our concern about the mosquitoes and had a great hack. Yes, so this hack comes from Laura. She said, I'm just listening to the Frog Pond episode, and while I hope you don't get extra mosquitoes, I wanted to tell you about the only thing that has ever stopped mosquito bites itching for me, the bite-away pen. Mosquitoes think I am the tastiest buffet they have ever happened across, and if I zap a bite with this pen, the second it starts itching, then the bite will fade quickly and I won't scar. Without it, I end up scratching so hard, often in my sleep, that I break the skin and sometimes even bruise around the bite because I press so hard with my nails. The pen applies a quick, intense heat to the bite and stings a bit when you use it, but it is worth it. And I literally tell everyone about it because it's 1,000% more effective than anti-itch creams for bites. Okay, Laura, I have to tell you, this is a game changer slash life changer for me. 
I too am a mosquito buffet. They love me more than anything. And I also do the same. I'll just like scratch and scratch and scratch and scratch and scratch. So I have already ordered this. I am expecting it to arrive any day and I will report (laughs) back. But I have to thank you for sharing this hack. Yes, and I think a lot of us are dealing with mosquitoes even more than ever. Like in L.A., we didn't used to have mosquitoes. Now we do. So although this may not seem like a Hollywood hack, it may seem like a Minnesota hack, it is also a Hollywood hack because we now have mosquitoes. Very much a Hollywood hack. I remember when we moved here, I was like, okay, I have my like nice life in L.A. with no mosquitoes. Then I go visit Minnesota, and I'm only dealing with mosquitoes for that brief window. And then at some point, the ankle-biting mosquitoes mosquitoes came. And it's just not fair. It is not fair. All right, Sarah, you have a recommendation this week. Every week we recommend a book or a movie or a podcast or just something we love. And what do you have for us this week? Okay. The Whitney Museum on Threads. Follow them. It's a delightful account. It's very whimsical. It posts fun things. Sometimes it posts just cultural things. Recently, there was a post of a rooster sculpture, which, as you know, obviously is something that I appreciated. (laughs) But it always adds just a little bit of lightness to my scrolling, which my doom scrolling gets a lot more fun when there's a post from the Whitney Museum, and also culture. It's just a nice little joyful Pick me up on threads. So I highly recommend following the Whitney Museum. Yes. And I just want to say their handle is very easy it's Whitney Museum. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love hearing from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram and threads at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Liz, I'm trying to imagine what you would sound like not on DateQuil. I, it was bad. Like this morning when I woke <laughs> up, I was just like squeaking. It's oh. It always hits my voice. It's like <laughs> this illness knows that I need my voice and it just yeah. comes for it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do. From the Onward Project. <laughs>